Thank you for that amazing introduction. Nicely done, nicely done. Thank you, Amanda. So, hey, how are we doing tonight? We doing good? Yeah, first thrive of 2020, new decade, bringing it in. Feeling good about that? How many of you feeling good about 2020? Anybody? Yeah, good, good. Hey, uh, l- hey, let me just kind of just give you a quick snapshot update of who I am before we jump in. Um, so, so excited to be with you here this evening. Uh, I've had the chance to know Michael for a couple years now and have just um, been rooting you guys on in your ministry here. Uh, get to check out the live stream every once in a while from Austin, Texas, which is really fun to, uh, to listen in with you guys and see what's happening. Um, like what was said, I am the director of Elementum, which is a national organization network for uh, churches and campuses to do college and young adult ministry, which, man, is just a huge, huge blessing that I get to be a part of uh, over the last many years. We're working right now with about 104 different campuses and churches around the country, um, and and it is an extreme privilege. And let me tell you this, um, God is moving in your guys' generation. And, And you may not, like, have the biggest perspective here in Gig Harbor or in Washington, but I want you to know that God is stirring in the hearts of people, of young people, and it is so fun for us to be able to be a part of that in a small, small little way. Um, Yeah, we're excited to be here with you. Okay, if you have your Bibles, uh, device, or even hard Bible, those of you who are hardcore. Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to spend just a few minutes talking about faith here this evening. Now, here's the, here's the challenge, okay? As we begin to think about faith, one of the challenges is, as I have heard sermons, conversations, messages, talks on faith, one of the kind of thrusts that I hear often is this, like, just try harder, Right, so let's just be let's just be people of faith, and so there could be this temptation where I could come in here and just try, like try to rile you up and say, "Yeah, let's go be people of faith." Right? Okay, everybody, hands in one, two, three, break. Let's do it. Right? And how many of you know that that doesn't last too long? Right? The like the the gumption, the motivation to just try harder doesn't last long. And so what I want to do is I want to lay from Hebrews chapter 11 some foundational aspects that would help you understand what living by faith looks like. What, what are some key aspects that we need to think about as we begin to look at what, is it, what does it mean for us to be the people of God who live by faith? Now, here's the deal. There are two primary obstacles tonight to you living by faith. Here's number one. The first obstacle is, is our culture um, is pushing on us comfort, security, the known, and easy. Okay? Everywhere we go, it's, it's all about trying to minimize difficult things. Right, so if you're going through a difficult situation, how do I get out of that difficult situation? If I'm having a hard time with finances, how do I get out of that situation? Our culture is set up for us to live comfortable, secure, easy lives. And here's what I'm here to tell you. If you want to live by faith, it's not comfortable, it's not easy, and it's not secure. 
Okay, so that's the first thing, that uh, a hurdle that we experience. Here's, here's the second thing. The second thing is, is we don't believe that God is going to do what he says he's going to do. Okay? Like we really, like we know here of what God is going to do, but we don't know here. Okay? So number one, our culture thrives. We struggle with this idea of comfort security. And number two, is we don't believe that God is going to do as he's going to do. So here's an example. So I got five kids, okay? So yes, it's as crazy as you think it is. Okay, five kids. So I grew up in the state of Minnesota. Um, in Minnesota, um, where Ben is from, he's uh, a friend of mine who's on our team. He's here with me. Um, we grew up together in Minnesota, and there is just lakes everywhere, Okay, like they say the land of 10,000 lakes. There's actually 13,000 lakes, okay? So lakes everywhere. Um, my wife was a swim coach in California, so swimming has been kind of a big thing for her. So as we were having our kids, right, one of the kind of the big rules was is what? We got to teach them how to swim, right? If they're going to go to grandpa and grandma's and they're going to be around the lake, well, they got to know how to swim. Or if they're going to be around the deck of the pool when Jen's coaching, they got to learn how to swim. So what you do as a parent is, is that you would, when your kids were old enough to kind of, you, you, they're ready to begin to swim, you would prop them up on the deck or the dock on the edge and you would wade out about five or maybe seven feet and what would you ask them to do? Jump, Right? Anyone ever, you remember that? Your, your dad or mom did that? Where they would stand back and they would say, okay, jump. And I remember, I remember the first couple times we did this. And so my twins right away. And so we would prop them up one at a time on the deck of the pool or on the dock. And I would go out about five or seven feet. And I would tell Abby, I'd tell Brooke, okay, I want you to jump. Now there were two things that were going through their mind. Number one is they would look at the place they were standing, the dock, the deck, and say, this is comfortable, this is secure, this is known, that water is not. Right, so I understand here, I can breathe, there, I might not be able to. And so there was like this wrestling in them of, uh, of saying like, I know this, I understand how this works, but I don't know that right there. And so there was this trepidation inside of them that didn't want to jump. But secondly, there was this moment as a dad where I would say, hey, jump, I'm going to what? Catch you. And there would be this moment of like, is dad going to do what he says he's going to do? Like, what if he forgets about me? Or what if he gets distracted? Or what if he decides, well, I'll show her and let me drown, right? And is dad going to do what he says he's going to do? Here's the deal. For you, it's the same thing. As you're standing on the edge, the dock of life, God might be even tonight asking you to jump. He might be asking you to take a step of faith, to take a risk, to, to move out. And there's this moment of saying, but I understand this situation and that's the unknown. I understand how this works, but what happens over there? And the second thing is, is God going to do what he says he's going to do? Okay, so here's what I want to do. 
Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to talk about some different aspects of faith. So here's what I'm going to do. If you've never read Hebrews chapter 11 at all, you need to, you need to spend some time reading it. Now, I'm going, to, I'm going to kind of skim some parts and highlight some key sections, but Hebrews chapter 11 is like the hall of faith. It's like person after person after person who's living a life passionately following God of a life of faith. So let's look at the, the text together, Hebrews chapter 11. And if you don't have a Bible, you can just listen along and I'll, re- I'll read this. Now, verse 1. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, verse 4, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous. Verse 5, go down to verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life, and he did not experience death. Verse 7, by faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. Verse 8, by faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive an inheritance, obeyed and went. Verse 13, all these people were still living by faith when they died. Verse 17, by faith Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice who had embraced the promises about a sacrifice of his son, his only son. Verse 20, by faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau regarding their future. Verse 21, by faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons. By faith Joseph, in verse 22, when the end was near, spoke about an exodus of the Israelites. Verse 23, by faith Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born. Verse 24, by faith Moses, when he grew up, he refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter, and he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God. Verse 21, by faith these people passed through the Red Sea. Verse 30, by by faith the walls of Jericho fell. Verse 31, by faith the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And on and on the stories of faith code. But here's the question is, what did these people have that caused them to be people of faith? Was it trying harder? Was it just like, okay, let's muster up more faith and somehow just like will ourselves to follow God more? Or was there something behind the scenes, something that was a foundation to them that allowed them to respond, allowed them to move, allowed them to be the people of God who live by faith? And let's talk about that for for a few minutes here tonight. Okay, so what I want to do is I want to give you five words. And this is like an interactive type thing. So I'm going to ask you to repeat, and so you can just, I want to try to embed these five words into our brains here tonight. So here's the first word. The first word is love. What's the first word? Love. Okay, we're going to try it one more time. Everybody, participation, okay? What's the first word? Love. love. Okay. So here's what we need to understand. That love, when we talk about faith, starts with us loving and pursuing God. Now let's talk about a a couple of these characters. Let's think about Noah in verse 7 who walked with God. In Numbers chapter 12, it was told to us that, that Noah was the most humble man on the face of the earth. We talk about the story of Joseph 
who responded to his brothers in the story, if you remember Joseph, where he said, God, love me and sustain me. What you thought was for evil, God actually intended for good. Or if you remember the story of Joshua, just as he was about to pass leadership onto the leaders of Israel, he said, don't forget your first love. The thing that was being communicated and what we need to understand is the foundation, the starting point to faith, the starting point for us living and being a people of faith is a love and a pursuit of God. See, what we need to understand is the foundation of faith is love. And, and here's the big question. It's like this, the, 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 the tension of like the difference between information and revelation. Okay, like information is this, like this idea that we can somehow just like download information and somehow be changed. Now, I'm here to tell you that's not true. So I'm probably one of the oldest people here in the room, which means I actually live pre-internet crazy. Like pre, yeah, like people actually lived pre-internet. Okay, now here's the interesting thing. I, I've seen kind of this ebbs and flows of what we would call like the information age. Like we literally, like you need to understand this. This iPhone that I have has 10 times more computing power than my first computer by far. Okay, on this phone, I have access to all the information that I could ever want or need. Podcasts, and books, and blogs, and people's opinions, and videos, and news feeds. And here's the question. Has more information fundamentally changed us for the good? Not really. Like, just because we have more information doesn't mean that necessarily, like, will change us for the good. But what is the thing that changes us? I'm here to tell you, it's revelation. It's when God reveals himself to us, and he begins to make himself known, that does something in our hearts that ultimately creates this welling, this exploding in us, that we get to experience the love, the affection, and knowing who God is. See, there's a difference between information and revelation. Here's, here's the way I think about it is, um, I told you I have five kids. So one of the things that I do is often when I'm traveling around the country is I will take my kids, uh, one of my kids with me. Right, so I'll take them to Seattle. I'll take them to uh, take them to Florida. I've gone to different places that I'm traveling. And it's interesting because I want that one-on-one -on -one time as a dad. Right? I want that relationship time. And I'm always conscious of the, as we're having these conversations, and it's like this, this, this tension of me, do I want them just to know intellectually that dad loves them, or do I want them to feel that dad loves them? Because here's the difference. There's a difference between information and revelation. And when God reveals himself to us, it does something in our hearts that causes us to live in a different way. The foundation of faith is love. Okay, so what's the first word? 
Okay, here's the second word. The second word is connect. What's the second word? Okay, first word. Second word. Okay, so here's what happens. When we, um, when we are in tune, when we are captured by the love of God, and we experience the revelation of his love, it moves us to connect with his heart. Love moves us to connection. I think about this being married, right? So I've been, I celebrated last August 20 years of marriage. There you go, okay? Now here's the interesting thing. The, the more that I fall in love with my wife, the more our hearts connect. The more that I begin to understand her, understand what she's passionate about, understand what she loves and what annoys her. Like, I understand who she is, that love moves us to connect. And it's the same thing with God. That when you fall more and more in love with God, as you begin to, um, your, your heart begins to be captured by the love of God, that that will move you to connect with God in ways that you have never experienced before. That love moves us to connect. So the question is, what is the heart of God? Okay, listen to these. In Genesis chapter 3, we see this promise of God reconciling people back to him. In Matthew chapter 22, he says that his heart is that we would love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and that we would love our neighbor as ourselves. In Matthew chapter 28, that we would give and invest our lives into other people. In John chapter 17, that we would be invited into a relationship with him. Acts 1, that we would be witnesses to Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5, that we'd be ministers of reconciliation. Here's what you need to understand. When you love God, you begin to connect with his heart. Love always moves us to connection. Okay, so what's the first word? Second word. Here's the third word. The third word is believe. What's the third word? Okay, first word. Second word. Third word. Okay, here's how this works. When you love God and you begin to connect with his heart, you begin to believe that dad is going to do what he says he's going to do. When you love God, you connect with his heart. You begin to believe who God is and what he says. Look at verse 8. Check this out. Verse 8. By faith, Abraham... When, when called to go to a place that he would later receive his inheritance, obeyed and went, check out these next words, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in a promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. 
He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him in the same promise. For he was looking forward to a city of foundations whose architect and builder was God. Now check this out. Verse 11. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who made the promise. She considered him faithful who made the promise. How could they do that? Was it about trying harder? Was it about mustering up more belief and more like, yeah, I'm going to be a person of faith? No, what we see is, is that they love God that allowed them to connect with God's heart that gave them the ability to believe that dad was going to do what he says he's going to do. When we have love, it moves us to connect that allows us to believe. It allows us to believe. So Abraham, going to a country that I will lead you, he believed. Live in a foreign country, believing. A land that I'm going to show you, believing. You believe that your descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars in the sky. Believe that there would be a promise, a seed through you that would fulfill my promise that Abraham believed. So the question is, is what does God say? What, what do we believe? Listen to these. Just listen to these. Second Peter chapter 1. Because of his glorious excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. Promises to enable you to share in the divine nature and escape the world corruption. Jeremiah chapter 29, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for good, not for disaster. Matthew chapter 11, come to me all you are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble. Isaiah chapter 40, he gives power to the weak, strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. Philippians chapter 4, the same God who takes care of me will supply all of your needs. Romans chapter 8, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is on ours in Christ. Proverbs chapter 1, but all those who listen will live in peace. John chapter 14, I'm giving you a precious promise, the gift, a Holy Spirit. Matthew chapter 6, don't worry about tomorrow, what you'll eat or drink, and on and on and on I could go. But the question is, is do we believe that God is going to do what he says he's going to do? Do we believe in those promises? Do we believe in his faithfulness? And I'm here to tell you, it's not trying harder. Being people of faith is not trying harder. It starts way before that with loving God that gives us the ability to connect with his heart. So we believe that dad is going to do what he says he's going to do. What's the first word? Second word. Third word. Here's the fourth word. The fourth word is future. What's the fourth word? Okay, here's, here's what I mean by future. It's having a future perspective in the midst of faith. Look at verse 13. All of these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised, but only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on this earth. So what did these people understand? You know what they understood? This place was not their home. 
Do you understand that here this evening? This place is not your home. See, as Christians, here's what we do sometimes, is we get deceived into thinking that it's all about this. So we need to like make it all about these moments and the things. But what we need to understand is, in the midst of what God is calling us to do, this is only a blip. It's a moment. It's a vapor. It's a mist in eternity. That this place is not our home. How many of you have been on a mission trip before? Any mission trip people? Okay. One of my favorite mission trips I was ever part of. In college, I uh, played college basketball. And we got to go to the Philippines for three weeks. Okay. Now, here's a couple things about the Philippines. They have fruit in the Philippines that explodes in your mouth. Like literally 4th of July, fireworks going off. Like so juicy, so flavorful, it is literally 4th of July going off in your mouth. Okay. There are, mo- there, there are parts in the Philippines that are so far removed from the city that it's so black and dark that at night when you look up into the stars, it actually takes your breath away. You're like, I cannot believe there are this many stars. That trip was one of my most favorite trips I've ever experienced. We got to do evangelism. We got to, we got to encourage church. We got to see people come to Christ. I got to eat fireworks in my mouth. Like it was, it was an unbelievable trip. I love those three weeks in the Philippines, but here's what I understood. As good as that moment was, as much ministry as we got to be a part of, that place was not my home. And it was only a moment. And then after that, I would go on to live my life. And here's what we need to understand. This place is not your home. And some of you in this room need to stop acting like this place is home. Because living by faith, if you think that this place is home, it will paralyze you when God asks you to take steps of faith. Because you're holding on so tight for what you might lose. But this place is not your home. It's having a future perspective. But how do we have a future perspective? Because it starts with love that moves us to connect, giving us the ability to believe so we can have a future perspective. First word, what is it? Second word. Third word. Fourth word. Okay, here's the last word. It's the word trust. What's the fifth word? Trust. Okay. Here's how it fits into faith. We trust God for whatever the outcome is. Now, here's the thing about Hebrews chapter 11. For any of you who've read it before, it would be awesome if it stopped about two-thirds of the way through. But it doesn't. Look at verse 32. So the author of Hebrews is going to, he's basically has given us a list for 31 verses of people And he's just scratching the surface. Here's what he says in verse 32. And he says, and and what more am I going to say? Like, I don't have even time to tell you about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets. He's like, I could keep going. 
Like there's more. This is not the extensive list. This is just scratching the surface. Who by faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of flames, and who escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned into strength, who became powerful in battle and routed foreign enemies, women receiving back their dead, raised to life again. Is that not the awesomest movie you've ever seen? Right? Shutting mouths of lions, conquering foreign armies, like dead to life. Like that is literally better than any Marvel movie that I've ever seen. But he goes on. There are others who are tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain even a better resurrection. Some face jeers and flogging and chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning and sawed in two, which is a terrible way to die. Sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They were about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. Now check out these next words. And the world was not worthy of them. What? Like, why could these people do these things? Like, how, how could they be persecuted and mistreated and sawed in two and stoned in unbelievable, horrible things? How could they allow these things to happen to them? Because they were trusting God for whatever the outcome of living by faith looked like. But how do we do that? Because here's the deal. What if I came in here right away and said, okay, we're going to live by faith, Okay. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to try harder. And it might go good, or you might get sodden too. You might be celebrated, or you might be flogged. You look at me and say, how, how do we do that? Because we have to back up. Because it starts with a love for God that moves us to connect with his heart so we can believe that dad is going to do what he says he's going to do. Understanding that we have a future perspective and this place is not our home so we can trust God for whatever the outcome is. First word. That was not good. First word. Caught you off guard. First word. Second word. Third word. Fourth word. Fifth word. Trust. Okay, one more time. What's the first word? Love. Okay, we love God. We experience God's love. We live in God's love that moves us to do what, secondly? We connect. We connect with his heart. We connect with his passions. We connect with the way that he sees the world that gives us the power to do what, thirdly? We believe. We believe in his words. We believe in his promises. We believe in his faithfulness. 
We believe that dad is going to do what he says he's going to do. But in the midst of that belief, what kind of perspective do we have? Future. Because in that future perspective, as we're living by faith, we believe that this place is not our home. This is just a moment. It's temporary. There's going to be millions and millions of years following this blink of an eye. This mist, future perspective that gives us the ability to do what, lastly? Trust. We trust God for whatever the outcome is. So as you live by faith, you might conquer kingdoms. You might administer justice. You might shut the mouths of lions. But you also might be persecuted. You might be mistreated. You might be stoned. But we come from a place of love that moves us to connect so we can believe, having a future perspective, trusting God for whatever the outcome is. Let's pray together. God, just thank you for the call to be a people who live by faith. And God, this is not a mustering of ourselves and our will and our desires and somehow just like trying harder. God, when we do that, when I do that, I fail. I get discouraged. I give up. I don't understand what it looks like to live by faith. But God, the foundation of that faith is your love. It's your love for us and our responsive love back to you. And God, in the midst of that love, it moves us to connect with you in a deep and intimate way. We, we see the world the way you see the world. We respond the way you respond. We feel the things that you feel. We're connected to you. God, and as we connect deeper and deeper into your heart, we believe in your promises. We believe in your goodness. We believe that dad is going to do what he says he's going to do. But in the midst of that, God, we understand that this place is not our home. There's something greater. There's something more. There's something beyond this lifetime. And because of that, God, we can trust you tonight as we take steps of faith in the future. Whatever the outcome is, we trust you. Thank you for tonight, for opening your word to us. We love you. In your son's name, amen.